0: This is Drummer's Resource Podcast Session 662, and the quote of the day is, Go for it. Whether it ends good or bad, it was an experience. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and 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 beyond. Hey, hey! what's going on everybody? Nick Ruffini here. Episode 662. Hope you're doing well. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for checking this out. If you've never listened to this podcast before, thank you so much for being here. And yeah, 662 episodes. So there's a lot in the backlog that you can check out. So uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. And thanks for my guest, Mr. Keith Hall. And Keith is a Michigan native, spent a lot of time in New York studying with the great Billy Hart, subbed for Tommy Igoe on Lion King for a long time, toured Europe, and now he's the jazz drum set professor at Western Michigan University in Kalamazoo. And this conversation, we talk a lot about musicality, we talk a lot about phrasing, we talk a lot about... Melody and, and rhythm and how the two work together and getting down your ride pattern and his advice for for those types of things and serving the song and serving music and just a really great in-depth conversation about a lot of concepts uh, less uh, less about technical aspects of a particular things we get into some so a couple technical things about how you can do certain things but really conceptually how you want to approach your playing melody the ride symbol like i'd mentioned so just a great conversation from a man who knows how to do all this and i'm so great to have had him on the show let's not waste any more time let's get into it with keith hall
1: Keith, what's happening, man? You're on the air. Hey Nick, my man. Good to see you.
0: Good to see you too. Good to see you too. It's I was thinking about years. um I was, yeah, I was just thinking. So I did that clinic with you virtually, or your I should say your clinic. Um and that that was what, five years ago? Four years ago? Probably five was, years ago.
1: Yes. Yeah, it was a while ago. It was a while ago, yeah. For the summer drum intensive, yeah, we had you come in and um, do a virtual kind of a class, and you were talking about a lot of things about the business and and all the wonderful things you've done, and that was really informative. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was, it was a was lot great. of fun
0: too, and and it was it it was such a cool it was a, such a cool thing to the way that you had the whole thing set up where i could see everyone they could see me and then you sent me this picture and it was like all of your students point i still have it on my instagram uh oh, yeah. pointing to this big screen and i was like <laughs> man this guy's doing it right <laughs> yeah <laughs> it you was a cool. giant
1: face up there right <laughs> yeah yeah
0: yeah so, Aww. I know
1: you have a you have a
0: new record out which i which I want to talk about, and i I want to talk about um i I mentioned off air that Daniel Glass I just had him on a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about you know creating a record as a drummer, and I think that it's important for drummers to try to put out a record at least or try to put their name out there try to uh not sit by the phone and just wait for the phone to ring, but actually go out there and make things happen. so I definitely want to talk about that um and, and your history and the many things that you've done, uh, I, you know, you've done a lot of different things like from being a professor now, but touring in Europe and living in New York and all of these other things. Uh, but talk about, we're talking about it now, talk about this summer intensive, because I know that you have another one, you have another one coming up, but I think it's such a cool thing that you do, but I think that it'd be great to,
1: to talk about what it is and, and how it's structured. Sure. Yeah, thanks for thanks for asking. And before I even get into it, I just want to say, you know, I've been a huge fan of your podcast for years, and I know you've thank got you, over six hundred episodes already. But wild. man! I have learned so much from from you and from all of your guests. I mean, you've you've interviewed all my heroes and a lot of my friends, and um, just thank you for what you do for our drumming community and music. Uh, it's really a great, it is a great resource, you know, as in the name, but um, I I tell a lot of people about it all the time. And um, so thank you. And thanks for having me on. I'm honored to be on on this podcast. It's always, it's always nuts to me that where,
0: you know, where it started and where it is now and how many episodes, because, because now it's like when I, when I'm, when I'm, doing the intro for the podcast i'm like this is the drummer's resource podcast episode 700 yeah, or 600 and whatever <laughs> in, yeah. i don't I, it doesn't really register that there's like holy shit i've done this 650 times or whatever <laughs> it's just if you go back and look at it you're like yep yeah, those 600 people who <laughs> it's unbelievable it's wow it's, wild. it's, it's, it's pretty nutty it's it's pretty nutty but shout uh-huh. out to everyone who has come on the podcast including yourself like this podcast i say this all the time, and we can get in. We can get into your intensive. Um, I say this all the time, but this podcast would be absolutely nothing without two people, two groups of people. One, the people who come on and share their stories and spend the time talking, and then two, the people that listen to the podcast. You know, so thank you for for coming on and and yeah. be willing to spend an hour, an hour and a half with me, sharing your story and your wisdom and your
1: your ups and downs and all that. So yeah of course, and you know, but you you provide the platform, so it's it's a wonderful thing, man well, um, thank you I appreciate it. I'm glad you're here, yeah, yeah, I'm glad to be here and uh yeah, the summer drum intensive, as you mentioned is uh is a drum camp that um, we hold at Western Michigan University, which is where I teach full time now um and uh this will be our sixteenth year, and uh It's two different weeks. So the first week is more of a beginning intermediate level. And then the second week is advanced. And uh, the maximum capacity is 24 drummers per week. And to some people, that seems like a lot. To some people, it doesn't seem like many. But, you know, we have time and space constraints. So we can only take 24 students. Uh, And they break up into four different groups. So there'll be six group, or sorry, four groups with six people and they each have a couple of coaches and they they kind of go around through their schedule uh, throughout the day of rehearsals, master classes, uh, personal practice time. And um, we have guests in as we've had you. We have some some in-person guests. We have a lot of virtual guests because it's just easy and we can get everybody from anywhere. And mm-hmm. uh, we also do a, a drum choir, which is something that we do at Western as well. And this is a concept that was introduced to me by my mentor, Billy Hart, who we can talk about later. Um, and it's a, it's a drum yeah. set ensemble. So there'll be five to six drummers, and we're playing melodies, we're improvising, we are making arrangements uh, we're, we're adding right. in all, all kinds of styles and, uh, you know, drum set vocabulary and it's a kids, a chance for the kids to be creative and really create this, uh, cool arrangement. And then we, we perform those, uh, at the end of the So are you week.
0: tuning, are you tuning all the, all the drums to specific no. pitches and things like that to, to do No, do-mel? and, I mean, and we're not so doing we an Because that, that sounds like, like a
1: yeah we're not, we're not doing that we're not doing like Ari Honig, who's a master at, at you know man, manipulating the sound of his drums but we're right. just we're playing the rhythm and we're also following the shape of the melody and uh also you know the duration of the notes short notes long notes gotcha and so you're you're kind of uh portraying that on the drum set with what you have and everybody has different drum sets so they all sound different. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's pretty but cool. Such an
0: important thing because I mean, my guess is that this is okay because we want to teach drummers to be melodic players, and even though we don't we don't technically play a melodic instrument, we should be thinking melodically and we should be playing melodically. You know, Absolutely. and I, I think that a lot of the time we we as drummers get into this thing where it's where it's just sounds, and I I remember um. Uh, Ralph Peterson, my favorite quote that I that that he said, or I he said the, my favorite quote on this podcast ever. He said, um, "Now I'm going to forget it. I'm going to I'm going to sound like an <laughs> idiot." He said uh, that about he was talking about playing uh, musically and melodically, and he said, "The more music you know, the more musically you can play. And if you don't know music, then your drumming is reduced to mathematics and velocity." Ooh, and I was like. I mean, and he said, I I was completely blown away by that, but it's such a valid thing that we don't, I feel like we are not taught to play melodically and musically.
1: Yeah. No, Ralph had serious wisdom. Um, Yeah. God, rest in power. Um, Yeah. You know, I mean, Max Roach, we think of Max Roach as, you know, the the king of melodic uh, drumming and look Mm -hmm. to him as a real source and um innovator in that way. But it's funny, now that I think about playing melodically, um I discovered this just a couple of years ago. I remembered when I was a kid, um I've always been drawn to melody. And I remember as a kid I had a toy drum set, you know, with like paper heads, you know, Sears mm-hmm. and Roebuck or something. <laughs> you know, right. And uh I remember buying, you know, buying some forty fives. Uh you know, this is in the mid, late 70s, and um, playing on the drum set. But I wasn't hearing the beats. I wasn't hearing the rhythm. I was trying to play the melody around the drums. And at the time, it just seemed like that's what you do. Like you just, I'm hearing the melody, so I'm playing around the cymbal and the drums. And I forgot about it until a couple years ago we were talking about melodic playing at camp or something. And I remembered that that was weird that that's what I heard first um and so it's kind of kind of full circle but you're right playing melodically hmm. what and why do you think that why do you think that we don't teach
0: and and the reason why i ask this let me ask you this first why do you think it's not taught at 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 an earlier age or when someone is first getting into to playing everything is very sort of staccato and up and down and very boxed in and it's very right left right right left right left, mm-hmm. left left and it's and everyone is think it's it, to me it just it's always taught like it's uh just hitting the drum and we're not talking about note duration and note values and we're not talking about melody and and how things are shaping around the drums and things like that
1: It's a great question. Um I mean yeah, we we teach what we know, right? And and we mm-hmm. sometimes we just teach what we were taught. And, you yeah. know, you, you get your chance to teach and you say, well, my teacher took me through Haskell Har and all the rudiments. And so that's what we're going to do. And we're going to do it exactly that right. way. Um, mm-hmm. That's a great question. But at, at Western, uh, in my drum studio, I have all my drummers sing the melodies that they learn. And they, so every semester they have to learn these tunes for their, they call it a jury at the end of the semester. And we have to play in front of the faculty. And so there's a group of tunes they have to learn. And instead of just learning the form and learn how to improvise over those forms, they all have to know the melody and they have to be able to sing the melody and they have to sing the melody with lyrics if it has it. And that's where we start. That's like the first thing we do is we, we listen to the melody, then we sing it. We learn the lyrics and, um, and then we play the melody on the drum set, around the drums, while singing it. Mm-hmm. So you're starting with the melody and not just the feel or the form. Um, and then what I... Well, I have this... this uh, I mean, now that I'm on the subject, I have this thing I call the to, Tune Learning Checklist, the TLC <laughs> <laughs> my like students it. laugh about it but it's 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 a it's a sheet and it's a, it's a list of of exercises or points that you have to cover for each tune so um whatever tune that is you start singing you do the lyrics then you play the rhythm on the snare drum and you try to depict that melody just on one surface now and then you start gotcha. to um orchestrated around the drum set thinking about the shape of the melody then we play time against it and then you play the melody in the left hand then you'll orchestrate it between the bass drum and the snare drum and so by the time you get done going through this checklist you've done everything you can do with the melody so that when uh, you're playing the, the tune with a band not only can you Reflect the melody and orchestrate when they're playing the melody But when we're playing the solos when we're improvising over the form that the drummer knows the melody so well That they can hear the melody throughout whatever's happening and you know, they don't Mm -hmm. have to count You know bars for the for the uh, form They can first of all hear the melody I mean the next level would be to be able to hear the harmony and to know where we're at okay we're at the bridge uh, you know here's the three six two five every two bars and then we go to the turnaround all these kind of things and you hear the 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 the, the, the harmony but I always start with the melody and um, yeah and it's funny that the students I have some students that have gone through my program uh, years ago uh, they came back to my camp as as teachers and they were joking about it saying that at the time you know Keith was making us do the TLC and they're all joking about it. <laughs> remember the te- you know how people joke about their teachers like oh remember course, that remember course. he had us do that thing oh that guy. And yeah, they said of course. They, but they they actually admitted they said but actually we get it now and it's made a huge difference. Um and so it was it was nice to hear. <laughs> but man but, I
0: you know I agree I like not even, not even going that in depth. But I remember studying uh, after, actually after college, uh, I studied with this guy Glenn Farrakhan, fantastic drummer from my hometown, mm. and, and one of my true mentors, and he had me start playing melodies on the kit. And we literally started with "Mary Had a Little Lamb" and "Take Me Out to the Ball Game," right? Awesome. And just going around, and even, even working. He was like, you know, play the melody, play it a couple, play it five, six, seven, eight, nine times through, then start sub trying to start subdividing that melody and changing your orchestration and things like that right and that's how that's how you know when you look at someone like an elvin jones or something like that he's like that's what they're doing they're playing the melody and subdividing and then moving it around the kit and all that and even those very simple tunes i could see it had a profound effect on my playing just thinking about melody that way and not even going as in depth as as what you're talking about. So you're you're absolutely right like it makes a
1: huge huge difference just yeah
0: even even at that that
1: small of a scale of the stuff that I was
0: doing in the beginning.
1: Yeah, it just makes you hear hear the music, you know? It's 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 mm-hmm. really all about the music. Right? I mean as drummers, it's always uh, rhythm, grooves, beats, styles. Yes all very important but that's all there to serve the music and um it has to be about the music um I'll talk to people yeah. sometimes and they'll say like they're talking about drum gear or they're talking about chops and all these kind of things and I say I'm not really a drum gear head and I'm not really into chops and all that stuff I said I'm just trying to play the music you know I find <laughs> gear that I like <laughs> and then I want to get to the music and I want to you know interact with people and communicate yeah. you know because Cause it's, it's really, it's about people and you know, the people you play with, the people uh, in the audience, it's about connecting, you know, communicating. Mm -hmm. Um, But as you go through- Can I tell you a secret? Yeah. What's that? About, about, about
0: gears just between you and I, we'll keep it, we'll keep it just between you and I, no one else is going to know. Sure.
1: No one's hearing this. Um,
0: I have, uh, I have no idea what size- my drums are. And every time I order heads, I have to go and look at the receipt for whatever kit it is. To That's how bad I am with with gear. I don't know why. It's some, I have like a mental thing about it. But my buddy Dylan was just out here and we were talking about this DW kit that I'm trying to sell. And he's like, what size is it? And I'm like, uh, 20 something and 7, 12, 7, 14 somethings. And he's like, what are you? He was like, how do you not know this stuff? And I'm like, I don't know. I just, I'm not... I'm not a gear guy, I'm sorry. But yeah. But I, I relate I relate to you and I mean I'm sure that you know far more than than you late than you just let on about gear. But uh yeah, I'm just not I've never been a gear guy. I've always just been like, I just want to play music. I don't care what kind of snare yeah. it is, I don't care what size, you know.
1: Yeah, you find what you that. like and then cool, you know. And some people are talking about right. the latest things and I mean it's fantastic, you know. There's some great innovations coming out, but it's like I don't know, I'm just trying to learn songs for the gig this weekend or there's record <laughs> yeah. date, and uh, I don't have time to, to do all that. But, you know, but back to the melody, um, in addition to you know, being able to kind of keep your place in the tune and play along with someone else that's soloing, and, and you touched mm-hmm. on it, is when you know the melody really clearly, when you improvise, you can reflect the melody, you can start with the melody. I mean, think about great improvisers, you know, maybe the greatest like Louis Armstrong, you know, I mean, he was, you know, embellishing the melody. And I think that's a great place to start. And you, you touched on that, just, you start to play the melody and then you kind of play around the melody and you embellish, you take away notes, you add notes and, you know, when in doubt, play the melody. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, uh, it's um, yeah, I think it's really important and, and it's fun. Because it's it's a totally different angle um, mm-hmm. than a lot of people, you know, take to playing the drums. Um,
0: and you hear, you know, you can hear it and, and you can see it in the comments when you go and watch a YouTube video or something and someone's playing really melodic. And whether people know that that's sort of what's happening or not, the comments are always like, oh man, this sounds so good. It sounds so musical. Whether they know this person is actually like playing through a theme or playing a melody, uh, you know, even even just in a groove, which I, which I want to talk to you about that too. Like what's your approach? It's one thing when you're playing improvisational music, right. And, and Mm -hmm. specifically jazz and you're comping with your left hand and you're playing around the melody with your left hand and, or in a solo or something like that. Uh, but when you're grooving, like when you're playing four on the floor or something, how are you, how are you thinking about melody and playing melody in a, in, in a sort of more traditional, like straight up, Groove,
1: mm. Ooh, how am I thinking about melody? Well, um, I mean, first of all, I am in in that kind of a context. It is a little different approach, you know. I am just trying to make it feel great, you know, and mm-hmm. make everybody dance, um, you know. And usually in those contexts, if you're playing a cover tune or something, you know, you're just trying to play. You know, what, what uh, Steve Gadd did on the record, or, right. or you know, uh, <laughs> Steve Ferrone, or, or, you know, somebody Ricky Lawson or somebody John Robinson, you know, you're just trying to play what they played because now, since you learned the song, you realized it's actually a lot harder than it sounded when you were listening to it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you went back yeah. and you thought, oh, I see what he's doing on the hi hat. There's a little bit of a lilt to the upbeat. That's what makes it feel like that. Aha. That's yeah. actually really hard. Or, you know, Jeff Beccaro, you know, he's, oh, God, what have, what
0: a- have. When, when I saw his videos uh, or that the video that he put out with, uh, you know, where he goes through the Rosanna shuffle and all that mm. kind of stuff. And just when, when he broke it down and you understand and he's like, yeah, I have this sort of pulse that's snaking through yeah. the whole thing. And you're like, I wasn't even close to playing this thing correctly. I was like, maybe physically, I was like playing it correctly but not musically and and with all the nuances and all that kind of stuff that's what made it absolutely amazing
1: yeah in addition to the the melody of the song though you know the like the groove you're talking about like the purdy shuffle or or anything like that or even something as as simple as uh you know billy jean or something there's a melody in the rhythm right in Mm -hmm. the in the beat there's a melody um, you know, you've got the shape shape of the hi hat, the shape of the hi hat, and the and the snare drum with the inner beats on the Purdy shuffle, and that's a real you know that's a a real melody. And then you've got the the bottom with the bass drum, and then the two and four. And so there's that shape, and to me that that is a melody. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's so. a good point.
0: I I think that that I mean this is the stuff that really lights me up is the yeah. is. You know the the interaction and the interplay be between the snare and the kick and the hi hat and dynamically how those things are being played and what's woven into the fabric of of a particular groove, and that's all the stuff to me that is the intangibles of playing. Like that's what makes Steve Gad sound great. That's what made Jeff Porcaro sound greater. Or, yeah. or any you know put any name up there and and uh, that's what made that player great. My thing is that. And honestly, the reason why I started this podcast years ago is like, I want to, I want to get as close to that. Like, I want to get as close to the sun as possible, right? So I want to have all the cats on that can, that can talk me through some of that intangible stuff. And I think some of it is, some of it comes from experience and some of it comes from attitude and, and how they're hearing things and all of that. What's your take on, on kind of harnessing all of that and, and really practicing that kind of playing instead of okay i'm playing a snare on two and four i'm playing the kick here i'm playing the hi-hat here and making it less mechanical and utilitarian and more musical
1: hmm yeah got some great questions nick as always (laughs) um yeah i mean you're thinking about um I know this may sound mechanical, but to me it's it's not it's just making sure you have a great sound and that it's consistent um and I mean, yeah, I think sound is is so important um that's the- you know that's the fact the first thing you hear is the sound, right mm-hmm. you don't even hear the rhythm uh but you hear the sound, so getting a great sound and making sure that it is consistent i mean that is that is such a challenge, um, even on some of those simple grooves that we talk about. You know, just making sure you're two and four on the snare drum is the same every time. And you know, those masters mm-hmm. that we mentioned, like, you know, that's like they get out of bed and just do it. But people like me, <laughs> you really have to have to really have to think about it. You know, um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm. i do not think I answered your question. But, um, no, I think it I think it makes sense. I think it's um
0: it's it's the it, what you were saying it it feels mechanical like in the approach to it, but I think that there's at some point you have to pay attention to all of that stuff and and then put it on autopilot once you've once you're starting to understand how you can manipulate the snare or how you can manipulate. I remember Russ Miller talking about this too, of like mm. okay. Let's play play the snare on the click. Try to be exactly exact when exactly when it's hitting, you're hitting the snare, right? And he's like, you work on that and work on that and work on that and work on that and work. Great. You got that figured out. Now try to play it a little bit before the click. And you work on that and you work on that and you work on that. And then you work on and then you play it after. Right. And it's like now. Now you have a little bit of freedom and understanding of how you can manipulate the snare around the kick. Great. Or, or I'm sorry, around the click. Great. Yeah. Now let's try it with the hi-hat. right? And then he's like, then you work on all that with the hi-hat. Then you work on all of that with the kick. Then you start to say, how can I push the hi-hat and drag the snare? How can I push the snare and drag the yeah. hi-hat and do this? And he's like, so do that for the next 10 years and then, you know, get back to me and <laughs> just, just figure that out first yeah, and then right. come back to me. You know, it's yeah. like there's infinite, infinite possibilities just in those three pieces of your kit that yeah. you can work on pushing, pulling, you know, accenting dynamics, this, that. And it's like, okay, that'll last you. You could do that for 30 years.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, in a different, a little bit different context, more of a jazz focus, um, you know, something I talk to my students a lot about is, you know, just like you were mentioning with Russ, like having those options. I always tell folks, you know, it's, you want to have options. You want to have a a wide vocabulary, a deep vocabulary, but um, being able to manipulate the time or the groove in a way um that that the song calls for or the or the type of uh, ensemble calls for you know and for instance like we'll talk about the jazz ride cymbal pattern and you think everybody mm-hmm. has their own personal ride cymbal pattern and um you know but there are a few that I think are, are very very distinct you know when we think about the history of jazz and you know one of them is billy higgins and billy higgins his his ride cymbal beat is not necessarily um, all triplets, you know, one triplet, two triplet, three triplet. And it's not one and two and. It's not straight. It's, sometimes it's just a little bit in the center of that. It's in the middle. And it really has that, that kind of New Orleans in the crack feel. And um, I, want, I want my students and I myself, I want to be able to play like that. And then on the other side, I want to be able to play full, big, full triplets like Elvin. You know, and then I want to mm-hmm. be able to play strong quarter notes with kind of a dotted 8 16th ride symbol, more like Jimmy Cobb, you know, and everywhere in between. And so that if, if I can, if I know how to do that and do it in a really subtle way in the music, then I can assess and go, OK, I think the, think the song maybe needs this right now. and And then everyone will you know they may respond hopefully they may respond with oh yeah it feels great you know that's that's a mm-hmm. huge compliment and then and then in your mind you think well i kind of know why it feels great because of this little thing i adjusted no one else really knows you know right. but they just know how it feels and that mm-hmm. it works you know and that's you know the feeling of the music is i mean <sighs> That's everything Because everybody can feel it You don't have to be a musician You don't have to study um, You know The audience They know how the music feels And mm-hmm. um, And when it feels good I mean There's there's no denying it and We don't know why it feels good We just know yeah. That I can't stop shaking my booty And I can't sit down And I'm about to scream Because it just feels great And You know When people are moving yeah. Then I, I feel like I'm doing my job You know <laughs> No matter what context. Well, well, isn't that
0: the? Isn't there a saying like you can't, you can't tell if the drummer is good, but you can tell if the drummer is bad, <laughs> right? It's like yeah, it'll right. it'll like if if you're I mean if you're a common if you're the a civilian as uh this guitar player that I used to play yeah. i always called him. He was like these civilians, man. He was like they they don't know what the hell's going on, but uh, but if you walk in, you know, if someone walks into and someone walks into a club and there's a there's a good drummer playing, the music will just feel good and they won't think anything of it. But if the drummer's bad, you can tell Ouch. right away. Ouch. You know, it's like, it's like Elaine trying to dance on Seinfeld or something. It's going to feel, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's going to yeah. feel all all wonky and crazy. Or yeah. you're like,
1: Wait, did that just, did that just slow down or speed up on me? Or, you know, yeah, or whatever It, it just, ha- it has to feel good no matter what the, mm-hmm. no matter what the uh, genre, you know, the music has yeah. to feel good. And, you know, either it's the rhythm, or it could be the even the melody or the harmony. You know, I mm-hmm. I feel you know for me music is a real visceral thing. You know, I'm I'm not all up in my head. I'm not I'm not really that smart. You know, so <laughs> but you know I just I just Get like to feel the music. I don't buy that you know? for a second. <laughs> I just like to feel the music though, and um yeah whatever it is whatever whether it's R and B or hip hop or jazz or you know bluegrass or you know, European classical, you know, whatever you call it, it's, it's, it's got to feel something. It's got to feel like something and, um, it's got to feel good to me. So that's Mm -hmm. how I respond to the music is, uh, you know, viscerally, um, you know, someone will play a chord and you say, Ooh, what, what chord was that? And then, you know, what was the progression? Why did it feel like that? You know, what chord was that? Tell me that chord, you know, that was great. So,
0: Yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. I, I, there's, I've never been, I've never really listened to music and thought, well, I mean, I, I, I'm lying if I say that I've never listened to something and said, oh man, that's just a great, it's a great beat, right? But there's yeah. 99% of the time it's it's a bass line that I hear or a guitar riff or this or that or a lot. It's like, oh, what what was that? And I'll yeah. rewind it. I want to listen to it again and again. And it's like the the way that it was placed and the melody and and you know the the uh, the orchestration around the kid or something and it's just like oh that's the that's the stuff that makes music music to me so yeah. you and I are on the same page my friend so yes. talk to me about the about the ride cymbal pattern and I remember talking to Justin Faulkner and and he was saying and I think I don't want to misquote it but I think he was talking about uh, about Elvin Jones, and someone asking about, and, and they were like, "What are you working on?" And he's like, "And this was like well into his career." And he's mm-hmm. like, "Man, I'm just trying to get my ride cymbal pattern right." You yeah, know? And, that's all. That's and all be, we're
1: doing, right? So, but, that's so all talk us, to yeah. me about Sorry.
0: the. And I'm I'm by no stretch of the imagination uh, a a jazz drummer. Like, if someone called me for a straight ahead jazz gig, I would tell you to call someone else. Um, oh. But. So talk to me about like, about putting the ride symbol pattern together. Like, what is your approach to, to helping someone really get that together uh, to making, to make sure that, you know, they're, they're playing authentically and, and they have sort of freedom and flexibility to, to play musically.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, first of all, um, you know, I'm glad you asked about the ride cymbal because I mean, to, to, you know, to the, you know, jazz drummers, that's, that's everything, you know, the cymbals and the ride cymbal pattern is everything. Everything comes from that. Um, you know, what you play on the bass drum, the snare drum, the hi hat, those all come from the ride cymbal. Um, everything kind of comes up underneath the ride cymbal rhythmically and, um, and dynamically many times. Um. For me when we're talking about the ride cymbal um I'll have my students listen to a lot of different ride cymbal patterns you know some of the people I mentioned um uh I, I actually have a c- couple of uh, drum method books in in the in the one book in the first book it's got a a, a table in there or a, and it's got a list of of ride cymbal patterns different players cuz they're all kind of different and I want people to hear the different uh, you know, voices on the ride cymbal, because like we said, mm-hmm. everybody has their own voice and their own way of doing it. Um, and I think all of us eventually will kind of develop our own, but at the, at the onset, it's, it's good to emulate, you know, as I was saying, be able to emulate all these different, different ideas, and then you kind of fall into your own little groove. Um, but in terms of, like, starting on the ride cymbal, I always start with quarter notes, Mhm. Um and you know ma- obviously again it sounds simple but um the quarter note is king you know. <laughs> it's like that's it. That it it's yeah. quarter note music. The bass players playing quarter notes and the quarter note is king. So um we start there. And what what I like to do is is start with quarter notes but I want the the drummers and bass players to to feel the upbeats because even though we're playing quarter notes it's the upbeat that makes the music swing Mm -hmm. or not (laughs) right i mean in (laughs) in straight eighth note music the upbeat is one and two and three and four and yeah not not swinging right in a in a, in a jazz sense but one and two and three and four right without that upbeat we're not really sure if the music is swinging or not, or if if we're just playing one, two, three, four on the ride cymbal, we could be thinking straight eighth notes. We could be thinking swung eighth notes, triplets. But if at least while you're playing the ride cymbal with quarter notes, if you are thinking and feeling the upbeats in between the downstroke, that that's, I think a, a good place to start. So I'll have, um, uh drummers practice with the metronome on the upbeat. Gotcha. Right? Um yep. and, so they're hearing and the
0: click as the upbeat. They're hearing yeah. the click as the upbeat. Yeah, yeah. so, so yeah. it's gonna
1: be one clicked, 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 click one, click two, click three, click four. It's hard to do at first. You know, you're used to yeah. playing with the click, right? We 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 trained ourselves to it's, play with the click. Now it's, it's in the crack. So so when you play the downstroke, obviously that's a quarter note. And then the upstroke, when you when you pull up with your stick, then that's the click. And I'll even sometimes mm-hmm. have people put their left stick up behind their right their right stick and then click the stick, kind of put the stick in front of their face and then click the yeah. stick on the upbeat. So it's dang, click, dang, click, dang, click. Um, just to feel that. So you're feeling the upstroke on the ride cymbal, even though you're just mm-hmm. playing down, down, down. I, I think it makes a huge difference. And I can tell, certainly when when drummers aren't feeling it, but also bass players. Sometimes, you know, you can see some of the great bass players, they're physically, you know, playing the upstroke with their hand or their fingers, um, yeah. and you can just feel it I'm, or you can see it in their shoulders or in their neck or you know, somewhere they're, they're feeling the, the subdivisions and feeling that bounce, mm-hmm. you know, that bounce. It's to interesting music.
0: you say that because drumming is such a physical instrument, but I don't feel like that we, we do the physical things that, that would help us play better. Like you said, feeling this, feeling this upstroke and, and, uh, the breathing that's associated with it. You know, everyone, they go around the kit and they go... <gasps> And then they play their, <laughs> they play their fill or, or whatever it is instead of, yeah. instead of, uh, embracing the physicality of it and, you know, ergonomically how we're moving around the kit and, and all of those things. But, uh, yeah. it's the most physical instrument and we're probably using all of these physicalities against us in, instead of for us.
1: Yeah, it is the most physical instrument. You're right. Um, and we, we have to, we got to stay healthy. That's for sure.
0: Woo. we do.
1: Man, Yeah. but so I guess, you know, just to, you know, that's how I start with the ride cymbal, just the quarter notes. And then we add in the spang-a-lang, which will, you mm-hmm. know, which is, uh, which will, um, uh, which will line up with that upbeat, you know, and, and the upbeat is based on the triplets, right? One triplet, two triplet, three triplet, four triplet. So that's where I start uh, with everybody. And, um, you know, we work on, I have a, a playlist and and kind of a, I call it the ride symbol workout. And it's these little programs (laughs) where, where they, you know, there's different tempos that the students work on and there's different tunes assigned with different tempos. And it's like a 20 or 30 minute workout. Um, and then there's different levels. Um, and so I do that at, at the university as well, just trying to give everybody a a, a wide range of tempos, um, Mm -hmm you know, which to play so that they're ready for anything, you know, and playing slow is, playing slowly is, you know, just as hard or harder than playing fast, so. The
0: Evan Snare tune-up kit provides everything you need to maintain the most essential piece of your drum set. This recently launched kit comes with either UV1 or caftone heads as the centerpiece along with an Evans branded microfiber cloth, a drum key, lug lube, hardware polish, Barneys Beats branded Promark Rebound 5A drumsticks, a snare side 300 drum head, and a two pack sampler of the new Evans EQ pods. It's everything you need by the drum. The UV kit is ideal for rock, metal, and funk providing sonic versatility and long lasting durability while the calf tone kit is ideal for jazz, providing a classic, warm, full, rich tone. Evans Drumheads, the most technologically advanced drumheads on earth. It's time to design your dream kit. You have a sound and look in your mind's eye, and it's time to make that dream a reality. Your sound emerges from the choicest materials and is constructed using the exclusive Sonar Optimum shell measurement construction, utilizing slightly undersized shell diameters, allowing the drum head the space to float freely with unrestricted bearing edge contact. Your look emerges through the ultimate selection of veneers, hand polished lacquers, and premium coverings to create the stunning look of your dreams. Design yours today at sq2-drumsystem.com. Slow and quiet to me is, you know, you want to separate the men from the boys. Go, nah. go play, go play a ballad with brushes at at you know, mm. fifty beats per minute.
1: <laughs> Man, I'll never forget. I took this lesson with uh, the great Lewis Nash. You know, one of my mm-hmm. heroes, and just a wonderfully generous and musical person and human. Just one of the greatest people. And I was getting ready to move to New York. This is like mid 90s and i was looking for a place to stay i was actually staying with billy hart and went out to stay with him and, and i took a lesson with lewis i'd seen him many times and so i said okay i really want to take a lesson so we sit down and i had been listening to him on all kinds of records cuz uh in in the 90s definitely uh he in the 80s and 90s he was pl- he was playing on every other record i heard it was just he was everywhere and so and he could play super fast and super clean and I'd heard him with Tommy Flanagan's trio a couple of times. And so I first thing I asked him, you know, at the lesson, like like a like an idiot, you know, like, how stupid can I be to ask this person, this great musician, like he said, so what do you want to work on? I said, Well, I want to learn how to play fast. It's like, oh <laughs> boy. I just I just like walked into it. And he said, Oh yeah. He said, Okay, well, first let's learn how to play slow. And I'd, I might just put my head down like, Oh, you busted you know because like oh crap you know i can't play slow you know right. I, I guess i was you know my mid-20s or early 20s at the time but yeah i was like oh man you know i can't play slow uh, mm-hmm. i'm an idiot why did i ask to play fast like oh geez so we started playing we started playing slowly you know it's like uh, okay yes sir i i got i got the message loud and clear and yeah. um I I've repeated that lesson with some of my students in recent years as it's, well.
0: <laughs> it's hands down the most valuable lesson that you could teach someone. And what you realize is although although not as fun, uh you know, if you if you practice all of this stuff slow, once you speed it up it just it's just a lot easier. And you already yeah. have the you already have the facility of of how to play it and for some reason we think that if we just start fast, it'll come and it won't. It'll be sloppy and it won't sound good. You'll be fatigued. All of these, you won't have control over it, anything like yeah. that. And I mean, I'm just as, trust me, I'm just as guilty as anyone else. I'm like, me I learned too. something at 40 beats. I'm like 40, play it for three minutes. And I'm like, great, 90, 150, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right, right, it's like,
1: right, right.
0: And then I'm like, okay, yeah. back to, sorry, sorry. Okay, I can't play it. <laughs> it yeah, sounds like crap. Especially at, at
1: our age, right? Because you think, well, I should be able to play this. Like, I've been playing yeah. for years. I should be able to play this by now. But, you know, I've I've learned, you know, just like you, it's like, okay, I, when I do something brand new, it's okay to think, like, I don't really know anything. This is brand right. new to me, you know. So take it slowly. Like you said, you you start to practice it too fast, and you just practice playing it wrong. And then you just start mm-hmm. learning it wrong, and you you start to, you know you know, get those pathways, you know, d- you know, developing those pathways in your brain and everything. It's like, oh man, what am I doing? And you know, I'm practicing it wrong and I've got to unlearn that yeah. and go back. And so it, it's,
0: uh, and I, yet. I'll be the first person to admit, and I, and I know that I'm not the only one that suffers from this is that, I mean, that's the ego for me when I go into the, when I go into the shed. And like you said, I'm like, man, mm-hmm. I've been playing for, you know, 35 years. Like I should be able to, wait, how long have I been playing? 30 years. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I'm like, I should, I should be able to do this. Why? Yeah. And then and it's like, I'm not some, I'm not some, uh, amateur here. I can play this right. at 90 beats per <laughs> right. minute. right? Right. You know, and it's total ego just getting in the way. Uh, and then, you know, you leave, you either leave frustrated or you say, like you said, the smarter approach is what you said and say, this is brand new to me. And I shouldn't be able to just play this. I've never done this before, or obviously I can't play it. So just slow down and and for me, I it's interesting how quickly it actually ends up coming to me mm-hmm. if I just if I just surrender, slow yeah. it down, and you're like in seven minutes, you're like oh okay, it's starting. I can like start to play this instead of an hour and a half trying to play it fast and it's not working.
1: That's a good word, surrender. I like that.
0: Just I stole kinda... that from, from Jojo Mayer, actually.
1: Uh, okay, yeah, right, right, right. I,
0: not, not intentionally, but now saying yeah, it, I remember yeah, he realize. sent me the, it's sort of a long story, but I sent him this email at like three o'clock in the morning. I was like <laughs> 22 years old yeah. and I'm like, I need, I need to know, you know, the, the secrets of what I, I was like, I, like, so I, I don't even yeah. know how I got his email address and uh-huh. I emailed him and in three minutes he emailed me back with like a li- it was like a bullet point of like his 10 tips for practicing whoa and it was like boom 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 boom, and the last one was accept and surrender oh yeah. yeah i'll send you the i'll send you the list i posted them on uh on instagram before but uh yeah it was like three minutes later he emailed yeah. me back and was like I, that, that sounds your, familiar
1: i think i've seen that or, or you mentioned it before <laughs> yeah yeah accept and surrender <laughs> Woo. God. Yeah. Well, I mean, and on the on the playing slow vibe, I, you know, it's one thing I love about Steve Smith, who's one of my heroes. You know, I just love Steve mm-hmm. Smith so much for so many different reasons. But, you know, he is such a such a uh, uh, advocate for playing slowly, you know, and all his videos, he'll just take it right down to nothing. And you're thinking, wow, well, I guess if Steve Smith does it that way, I guess I better, too.
0: <laughs> uh i guess i better too that's <laughs> you know it's like stan moore always says practice slow learn fast
1: no oh, yeah yeah so exactly. it's the truth yeah it's it so take it's it so long. truthful yeah <laughs> um
0: so talk to me about talk to me about this i want to talk to you about two things so i want to talk about this record first uh-huh. of all um but before we get into that so are you originally from michigan
1: yes born so you, raised you were in michigan
0: Move to New York, move back to Michigan. Correct. Yeah. Gotcha. I'm
1: gotcha. I'm from Battle Creek, home of Kellogg's. Okay. Gotcha. And um and uh, I lived there until I went went to college and I went to I went to university uh, for my undergrad at Western Michigan University, which is where I now teach, uh, which is in Kalamazoo. It's just like thirty minutes west. So Gotcha. Uh, it was far enough away from home. But close enough <laughs> if I needed something, you know. Yeah, there you uh, go. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm from Michigan. It's home to me. Um, when I was at, at Western, uh, Billy Hart came in to teach uh, for a, a complete semester. And he, nice. c- he just uh, totally changed my life. And um, so he became my mentor. And, and yeah, I, I owe so much to him. Um, and yeah. then eventually I moved to New York
0: uh, in 96,
1: 1996. Gotcha. So, and, uh, and the reason
0: why I asked that, I wasn't, I wasn't sure how you ended up mm. in Kalamazoo. I didn't know. I was like, I figured he was, you were maybe from there. Or, yeah. Um, but were you thinking, were you thinking all along that you were going to get into the education side and, and run a jazz program or were you, was that not, was that the plan or,
1: yeah it, it was kind of subconsciously, I think. Um, yeah. when I moved to New York I, I just wanted to play, and that's mm-hmm. all I but wanted you seem here. like a nat-
0: wanted- you seem like a teacher to me you seem like a natural teacher as
1: well. Oh, that's why I, I asked that. Thank you. Well, I like to share. I, I really like to mm-hmm. share, and uh, I like to help people and, and um yeah, I love to see you know the, you know, the, as people say, the, the light come on, you know for people, and right. to see that improvement and see people light up, you know when they get it. Um, i I've been teaching since I was in high school, you know, just little private lessons here and there, and I, I mm-hmm. really, really really enjoyed that all along. Um, but yeah, all I wanted to do was play, though, you know, when I was in my twenties and thirties is just wanted to play, I wanted to tour the world. And I wanted to be in a band or, you know, or or different bands. And, um, and then eventually my plan was to get my master's degree and maybe teach at a college someday because it seemed, seemed like a pretty good deal. Mission accomplished. To play. Yeah. Well, you know, one day I looked up and I had gotten my master's degree at Queens College. Shout out to Queens. Um, And, uh, and uh, I had been touring the world for years, and I was like, "Wow, okay, well, maybe it's time to move back to Michigan." You know, I was we were having having babies, and and I wasn't mm-hmm. in town ever. It's like you're living in New York, but you're never playing in New York. You're never going out to hear music in New York, and right, you just know, just paying I was, to live in New York. <laughs> yeah, it was silly with no family to help. But I was uh, subbing on the Lion King at the time for Tommy Igo, mm-hmm. and um. And I did that for about three years, but he kept calling me and I kept having to say, sorry, man, I'm on the road, sorry, I'm on the road. And he was getting pretty upset. <laughs> <laughs> like, man, come on, man. And uh, I, I owe Tommy a lot, man. He's just a, a great, like a big brother to me. But um, so eventually it was just like, why, why why, are we here? So came back to Michigan and that was yeah. uh, almost 19 years ago. <laughs> so Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow.
0: I love having conversations like this where I I always think about Steve Jobs where he's like, you can never connect the dots going forward, only going backwards. But like mm. the idea that you're like, I'm setting out to do these things. And you're like, I want to go, I want to move to New York. I want to tour the world. I want to come back. I want to teach at college. Boom, 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 boom. And it's like, check, 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 check. And <laughs> yeah. just like, I, I, I don't know. It's always interesting to me. Like if you could, if you could tell yourself, you know, 25 years ago that Everything that you're planning on doing, you're going to do all of those things.
1: Yeah. Would you, Uh, would you have thought that? No, actually. Well, I didn't even know what I wanted to do. Uh, You know, it just kind of develops. You know, you develop these desires, and as you're going, you know, I guess if I were more conscious, I could have, you know, so-called checked them off the list. But I was just. Mm -hmm. I was actually honestly just trying to, you know, make a living and just trying to get through, you know, you just, you know, you are scrapping, yeah. you know, living in Brooklyn and, you know, and just like trying to make it happen, trying to get a gig. But, um, yeah, it was weird. I just looked up one day and was like, wait a second, this is actually what I wanted to do and I'm doing it. And so, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really, really grateful for where I'm at, where I've been. And, um, I mean, I'm not even close to done. That's for sure, <laughs> but, yeah. but uh, you know, but I, I'm just—I am really grateful. Uh, I've—I've I've had a really, really great life, and I have a—you know, yeah. So I'm—I'm I'm, I'm grateful. I don't take any of it for granted, and you know, even though you know maybe there's some things that I I haven't done that I want to do or yet, you know, you're just like, man, this is pretty pretty great. I get to play music, teach music be with, uh, inspiring students and colleagues and friends. And yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Music has, has really blessed me. Yeah. It's, it's been, been great. So. Well,
0: and, (sighs) and well-deserved from hard work. So, um, so tell me, tell me about this record because I, I've, I know what goes into putting out your own record as a drummer. Uh, not the, not the easiest task. So tell me, tell me about your experience with, with doing it.
1: Yeah. Well, I know you said at the beginning about how, you know, you were encouraging drummers to put their own music out and, and, you Mm know, I'm, I'm 50 now and this is my first record with my name on it. (laughs) So uh, I've, I've been in some co-ops, you know, I have a a trio that I, I, I I lead, I co-lead, it's called Tri-Fi, it's a jazz trio. Um, Another trio was Pastor Ryan and Hall, another uh, uh, New York trio. And you know a lot of other records, but this is the first one that is just Keith Hall, and it's terrifying, honestly. Um, it was yeah. it, it's, it's kind of terrifying to see see my picture on it and my name in big letters. It's like what what am I doing? You can, what, and you can't what? hide, me, like not that but like
0: I'm always thinking if yeah. I'm on somebody else's record and it sucks, I'm like I don't know, man. They just hired me to.
1: <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, really putting putting yourself out there, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's difficult, but yeah, I, I recorded it in 2019 before COVID. So it's mm-hmm. been sitting and I wasn't really sure what I was going to do, you know, how I was going to release it. And, you know, with, with the pandemic, then I kind of got some, got a, uh, an excuse to not move on it, you know? Um, but it's a cool, it's a cool record because, um, It's got two other musicians that I respect so much. Um, My colleague, Andrew Rathbun, great saxophonist and composer, who um, co-wrote some music with me on it and um, actually mixed the record, and I couldn't have done it without him. So uh, he was incredibly inspiring and um, such a huge part of this record, but also... Um, I'm honored to have the great bass player Robert Hurst the on on the record you know and Rob, Bob you know he played on all the great Winton and Branford records that I that I love um and he was on tonight show nice. you know Jay Leno's band with Branford and mm-hmm. Kevin Eubanks. Banks and and you know he's been on a million records I think he's one of the most important bass players in the last 35 years and and um, he's from Detroit so he's a Michigan guy too and Awesome. Um, I was really, really happy that he agreed to be on it. So, um, so, so it's talk like talk to me about you know ha- the the comp- go, ahead. go ahead, go ahead. Well, yeah, it's it's ha- half of the record is trios, bass, drums, mm-hmm. and sax, and then half of the record is drums and saxophone uh, improvised duets. I like it. Yeah, and so some of the duets have. Uh, our acoustic, you know, saxophone, but then Andrew likes to play with electronics a lot too, you know, and so he runs his saxophone through these effects and it doesn't sound anything like a saxophone. That's and, cool. And um, so it was pretty fun. We would just like, one of us would just start, start playing something and the, and the other one would join in and after two or three minutes we would end it and it had become this, you know, improvised composition. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. so there's, there's like 10 of those on the record so
0: so of fun. the of the non-improvised stuff how did you go about writing writing those tunes were you were you sketching them out or were you working with uh working with the bass player or the sax player to to hash those out together because well, again I, it goes to, our, to the beginning of our conversation like you know we don't play a melodic instrument we're not keyboard players yeah. or guitar players
1: yeah well i'll i'll just say this for anybody listening <laughs> my biggest regret in music is not continuing with the piano
0: so Mm -hmm. (laughs) me too me i second that
1: you know just i would be so much further if i could really play the piano Uh, so i don't really play the piano i understand it but so writing for me composing is it's it's a it's hard it's very difficult for me Um, i can hear things but sometimes i don't know actually what i'm hearing so it takes me a long time i start by singing into my phone I'll sing melodies or grooves or some rhythmic idea, and then I'll go to the piano and try to figure out what it is. Um, so that's how I do it. Um, so I, I wrote three of the tunes on the record, and then Andrew and I co-wrote four, and that was cool to co- co-write with someone because I'd never done that. And so I would I would sketch out some ideas. I'd have melodies or a form or a groove or some you know rhythms or something, and. I would take him to Andrew and say, "Okay, this is what I'm thinking. This is the vibe, you know." And and so he said, "Okay, great. Let me let me live with this for a couple of days." And then man, he's so prolific this guy. So then he would he would come back to me and it would be like he would take something that I wrote and turn it inside out or, you know, he'd put it in in an odd meter or something. And, Mm -hmm. and so then we would talk about it and we'd adjust things and then it became this beautiful tune that I, of course, could not have done by myself, you know? And, um, so that, that, that sense of collaboration, it was really important for me and, uh, it was rich. I mean, I was kind of addicted to it. Like, man, let's do another one because that was fun, you know? And so then we did four of them and it was, it was super fun, man
0: yeah i'm I'm a big be- i'm a big believer in uh if if you can't you know if you can't do it yourself you, you got to find someone who can help you with it so whether it be for songwriting or if if you don't have a good business mind then i think that you should find someone who can help you with the business side of the music business or whatever it is there's other people who are out there that are great at what they do and can help you along the way so like figure out what your strengths are and whatever weaknesses you are find the right people to fill those gaps and i mean that's that's how i put out a record that's how daniel was saying the same thing about him putting out a record you did the same thing it's like find the people who know what they're doing that that you don't have that expertise in and enlist them to help you with it yeah yeah you know such
1: learned, a learn to, de- to delegate right <laughs> it's really yeah. hard it's really hard
0: <laughs> or i'm b- beg and plead people to help you
1: <laughs> yeah yeah that too yeah absolutely <laughs> but yeah it was it was uh, a for me because it was my record and i was you know calling all the shots uh, um it it was actually really difficult for me um because making those decisions for the first time by myself you know i man it was it was just really hard and you know i'd been going through some well you know, things happen in life, you know, and life happens and you go mm-hmm. through things and, and, and you think, wow, this is not a really good time to be doing a record. I've got some other personal things I want to work on. And But, you know, it was actually the right time because, um, you know, I needed a distraction, first of all, mm-hmm. but also it helped me overcome, you know, some insecurities. And, and I felt like, I told someone the other day, it felt like a victory just to record it. Like when I yeah. got out of the studio after two days, I just thought, okay, well, if this never, if no one ever hears this, I got this far and this was a huge deal for me. And I kind of had to give myself a little pat on the back because it was, it was kind of a victory for me, <laughs> honestly. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: It's, it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling for sure.
1: It is. So yeah. It's that like going it sat, through, going through battle. Yeah, it really was. And, you know, honestly, my biggest mistake with the record, and this this could be a lesson to someone listening too, is my biggest regret about this album and the process was that I produced it. I did not have anybody else at the record date producing or giving me feedback. And, you know, I'm a little embarrassed to say that, but hey, we'll <laughs> Hey, this is this is this is real I mean, here on Drummer's Resource, right? Um, yeah, yeah, you know we get real. So it, it's we do. It would have been great to have someone in this in the booth besides the engineer, to just say, "Hey, guys, that was good. Let's do another one. Or, I think you're gonna like that one." Or, "Hey, try it, try it again, but try it this way." You know, mm-hmm. it would have been great because here I had the great Bob Hurst in the in the, in the booth and. I just wanted to respect him and his time, and and, I'm so grateful he was there. And Andrew, the same thing. And I'm all up in my head about what I played, what I didn't play, how it didn't sound good. You know, he's just so self-conscious, man. And and so we'd get done with the take, and I'd say, what do you guys think? (laughs) You know, because I think to myself, (laughs) well, I could do takes all day on this thing because I can always play better. You know, yeah. and uh, yeah. of course, everything they played was magic. But um, so it would have been nice to have someone there to, to kind of help in that way. But, you know, mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe maybe that was part of the process for me. You know, maybe that was part of me getting through it was having to actually do that myself and not having that feedback, you know, in yeah. retrospect, as I'm talking about it now. Maybe that was just the way I was supposed to do it, you know? Mm-hmm anyways but, I mean it's yeah, a so.
0: it's another skill you know it's another it's another skill that that has to be developed and you do it once you're like oh maybe I can do this again maybe I can produce <laughs> yeah, it on my own again if, if, but if differently <laughs> if, <laughs> yeah true yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it, depend, you know, it depends you know it depends on so. how happy you are with the record too
1: You say, I should have
0: had a producer or if you're like, you know, I think it. I have no doubt that the record's great. In full transparency, I told you today, you sent me the record this morning. I haven't listened to it yet, Yeah, Uh, but I am. I'm going to listen to it uh, right after this. I'm going to get some work done and put the record on. So,
1: well, I hope you enjoy it. It's uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun and I, I am really proud of it now that we're getting. You know, it's getting ready to be released and there's been such mm-hmm. a build up for me personally. Um, as I listen to it. I I'm really proud of it. And um I guess I'm also far enough away from when I recorded it that I can be a little more objective about it. You know, you know mm-hmm. how it is, you right after you do yeah. something you try to listen and it's like it's that's not the time to listen. You gotta step back. And
0: uh especially after you've gone through and you're mixing it and you're you're going for hours and hours listening and doing this and doing that and it's like you're so inside of it. You're like, do you hear this little tiny thing? It's like no one is ever going to hear that mm, little tiny thing that you're talking totally. about. Totally, like it's not. Trust me, no one's gonna yeah. hear
1: it. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's like yeah, I get it. Yeah, and you know, I I do like the drum sounds on it, but uh, you know, I know you've had Quincy Davis on. You know, he's a great mm-hmm. friend of mine, and he he called me uh, two days ago because he had heard heard the record. And uh, he said, "Man, the drums sound great." And I said, "Yeah, really? Yeah, okay, <laughs> good. That, you know, that, well, that means a lot coming from you. You know, and it's nice to hear that because you know I, I like them, yeah. but you know, you don't know how other people are going to perceive things. Um, and his
0: drums always sound great.
1: Oh man, Quince, that's, that's, <laughs> that's my dude. You know, he's from Michigan. You know, he, I've known him for a long time. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. he's we go way back. So, but yeah." Um, so yeah, I'm excited about it, and I hope it will be received well. And um, it, it is difficult, though, having you know my face on the cover, my name on the cover, it being my project, and um, you know, kind of putting the drums out front a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. It is uh, it's it's a little little uh, intimidating, but um, you know, you got to do it, I right? You know, I'm excited like, for
0: you, man. I think thank it's exciting. You.
1: But, you know, just like anything that we do, you know, whether it be art or business or whatever, you know, it's like there's a reason you have uh, an idea. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you had an idea for this incredible podcast, you know, or, or, or your other podcast or other business ideas. It's like there's a reason I have this idea. There's a reason I have this desire to do this record even though I've never done this before, or whatever it is, well, I need to right. I need to investigate that and to explore it and and try to see it through because, you know, maybe someone, maybe you'll inspire someone else that's thinking about the same mm-hmm. kind of thing, or they need to see you do that, and then once you do that, you open the door for somebody behind you, and I mean, yeah. so many people have done that for us in so many ways, and yeah, so- I mean, think about think. Think about all these
0: people who put out, you know, great records or something that that uh, were that weren't afraid to put the record out or weren't afraid to uh, to even start writing songs in the first place or had this itch to write a movie or a book or or yeah. whatever it is. To your point, if you got if you've got this thing inside of you, it's not. You're not making it up. You're not making waking up one day and saying, "What are some things that I should do? Oh, I should probably put out a record." You know, you're yeah. like, "I have this I have this need and this want to do this thing and express myself in this way yeah. that you're absolutely right, you should pursue it." Whether it's whether it's a creative endeavor like you said or a business or yeah. or anything if you want to be a triathlete, you know, whatever it is. If, if yeah. you have this desire, then you should at least explore it, you know, yeah. and and try to do it.
1: Yeah, that's the, yeah, my the, take the, anyway. You only live exactly. once. Exactly. Yes, exactly, and and it's short. Life is short. I mean, gosh, Very, I'm, I'm yeah. realizing that you know the older I get, and it, it's, life is short, and you just have to go for stuff. And I mean, uh, with most things, you know, you just have to think, well, okay, what's the worst thing that can happen?
0: What's That's the worst the, thing that can happen? Right. The best question you can ever ask yourself.
1: It's like so, you know. But what? What if it actually succeeds? What if it works out? <laughs> What if it makes an impact? What if it influences other people inspires other people? whoa, well, man then now it's a ripple effect now you're you know you can you know people talk about leaving a legacy, you know, and it's yeah. like you know so it's you know I always think like you know our our gifts you know our talents, our ideas they're not they're not really just for us, you know they're for other people mm-hmm. too and um you know so. I have to try to th- I think bigger, like that. Like my students are going to see and hear this record, and you know, other people are going to hear it. And maybe, maybe, maybe they might not even like the music, but they just see that I did something, and they say, "You know what? If, if Keith All yeah. can do it, well, then I can do it." <laughs> so, <laughs> I, you know, you know I, I agree with you. you, you know, know. I'm the
0: same. I think the same way. You know, I think the same way, and it's it's there's something to be said about that. And going to them and saying, "Listen." I had no idea what I was doing, and that's what my whole thing. I'm like, no one really knows what they're doing. <laughs> that's <laughs> right, my take. Right. I really, it's like we all, just, everyone's just trying to figure it out. So you're no different than anyone else. That's any that's trying to do anything that they've never done. It's like no one knows what the hell they're doing. We're all figuring it out, and so go figure out the thing that you want to do.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Yeah, because you but, talk yeah. to some people that you assume, you know, they've got it all worked out and all. Everything, you know, every I dotted and T crossed. And, and they're just like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I said, what? How? The perception though. It's like, yeah, yeah, but you know. Yeah. So
0: Just working. Just working at it, you know. Yeah. We're a work in progress. Well, just, um, so where can people find this record? Where's the best place for them to, to find it and, and well, keep up with you and what you got going on?
1: You know, it, it, it's on Bandcamp. Okay. So Keithhall.bandcamp. Dot com I believe it is. So you can actually, you know, buy it there. You can buy a physical copy or you can download um, the tracks there or the entire album. And uh, you can go to my website, keithhallmusic.com and you can find me on Instagram and Facebook a little bit. Um, and so you can do it there. And I've, obviously it's going to be streaming as well. But we, we mm. all know that that's not, it's not where we want people to go check out our music. But. <laughs> of course, of course, yeah. But of course, Final it'll record, be there People put it, on a, you know, put,
0: put it on and listen to the whole thing from top to bottom.
1: Yeah. You I know, I it's want. funny because yeah. my student said the other day, uh, one of my students, he, uh, he heard one of the singles that are out and he said, man, I love the new single. He said, I can't wait to hear it in context. And I thought... That's Whoa. a great, that's a great that you are realizing that there is a context, you know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, I thought, that's yeah. awesome. I was like, thanks for saying that. All
0: is not lost.
1: You know what I mean? <laughs> so uh, yeah, that was cool though. Um, but yeah, nice. it is, it is a, it is a full, you know, a full album with the, you know, a theme and it, it, the, the, the record is called Made in Kalamazoo. So the trio tunes all have titles that highlight the city of Kalamazoo where I live and uh, awesome. some of the, the people, the places and experiences. And uh, so it has a real personal, real personal touch, you know, aside from the original tunes, but just the theme is very personal to me. So. That's
0: awesome, man. Yeah. I can't wait to, I can't wait to listen to it. I'm going to, like uh, I said, as soon as we're done here, I got some work to do and I'm going to, I'm going to queue it up and listen to uh, it. So thanks man. And man, I, uh, I appreciate you coming on. First of all, I appreciate you, uh, inviting me to your, uh, to your intensive all those years back. And <laughs> oh. I'm glad that you and I have have stayed in touch and, and, you know, we, we get to rap once in a while Uh, but to have you on the podcast, man, I'm, I'm really happy we, we could make it happen and, uh, appreciate the time, the insight, the wisdom, the, the candor, you know, and you just being very transparent on, uh, on some of these things. So I appreciate that. Thank you,
1: man. Well, thank, thanks for having me. It it is, is a true honor, man. And I mean, besides the podcast, you know, and the drum thing, you know, you remember, you know, I started a podcast a couple of years ago. I've taken a, a, a huge hiatus, but, um, but you, were, you were such a, you really opened the door for me, you know, to start, start the podcast, you know, and it's you, you know, you really helped me, you know, you, you consulted with me, which I really appreciate and, and kind of showed me the mm-hmm. ropes and you, this podcast has really been a model for me. Um, and, you know, I'll get back to, get back to doing some episodes, but man, I, I soon realized like, wow, this is actually a lot of work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is a lot of work. Had I known once I got, before I got into yeah. it, how much work it yeah. is.
1: No, but I, <laughs> luckily
0: I, I, now, I mean, I have a great team that, uh, that works for me that, that, that handles a lot, like without them, there's no possibility that this podcast yeah. would be happening. Yeah. You, that's, you, you built that's an empire.
1: Sure. You got an empire. Yeah, yeah, I yeah,
0: got yeah, big huge empire over here. Chief, we're, yeah, we're <laughs>
1: yes. no man, you you really are a, a true model though for this, man. You really have did open <laughs> well, thanks. the door. I appreciate it. And uh your you know, your spirit, man, your entrepreneurial spirit and the positivity that you have and um and honesty, you know, that you always always bring. Mm-hmm. It's it's it is really inspiring. So Thanks for doing that. Well, I mean, and that
0: goes to say, like, I wanted to have these conversations and put them out there to the world. And I was like, I don't know if anyone's going to listen to this thing. Right. It's like what you were talking about earlier. You put this thing out and then you're like, hey, maybe I'll put my thing out. And it's like, you should put your thing out. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's exactly what you said. I think that these things are what we do is, yeah, it might be a little self-serving, but it's for other people too. So for you to say that, that, that means a lot to me. That's what it's all about. You know? So I, I appreciate that as well.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. Thank you.
0: The pleasure has been all mine, dude. And I will, uh, I will talk to you soon. Congrats again on the record. Thank you. Stay safe, be well, and, uh, enjoy the rest of your, uh, your day and your weekend.
1: You too, man. Talk to you soon. Thanks, man. All right.
0: There you have it, the one and only Keith Hall. You can find the show notes by going to drummersresource.com forward slash session 662. I always say it, but if you haven't already, please leave a rating or a review. You can do that on iTunes. It takes about a minute. I would appreciate it. It also lets other people know that, hey, you should be listening to this podcast. And other than that, that's all I got. So until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll be talking to you soon. Peace. Drummer's Resource is produced by Revoice Media. Executive producer Nick Ruffini, that's me, edited by Justin Thomas, video editing by Tomas Shannon, and graphic design by Catherine Wade. For more music and entertainment podcasts, be sure to check out revoicemedia.com.